I want to read beginning in verse 38. These are the words of the Lord, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask now for wisdom as we consider it, that you might change us by it, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. God is too easily forgotten in all of the madness of our busy lives. And the sad truth is, is that while we can often be too busy, we can often be too tired, we can often be too entertained and even too overwhelmed to notice and sometimes to even care was the French philosopher Blaise Pascal that in the 1600s once wrote, he said, I have often said that the sole cause of man's unhappiness is that he does not know how to stay quietly in his room. I think his point there is clear. Much of our unhappiness comes from hearts that are too eager to be distracted. Think about the context in which we live today. We are living in the most advanced society that has ever been. And at the same time, we are the most distracted people that have ever lived. The more that comes via technology and innovation, the more distracted it seems that we are. You know, as we think through these things, as we think through the many distractions that we have in this life, I think as Christians, it's something that we ought to give time in carefully thinking through and considering. There's much that chases after our hearts and our attention, and much of that is good. Many good things in this life, important things, needed things to some degree in this world that, that chases after our hearts and Yet, many of these things, good as they may be, are often distraction. Distraction in the Christian life is a danger that diverts our attention, oftentimes towards good and noble things, but at the expense of missing that which is ultimate. So as we consider this passage this morning, this passage is calling us to examine our own priorities, to examine our own hearts, to reflect upon and to consider what it may be, even good things that could be taking precedence over Christ. As we consider this passage, and if you've been a Christian for a while, or maybe you've been in the church throughout the 
years. It's a passage that's familiar to many of us. If it's not familiar to you, I think as we spend time in it this morning, you will understand why it's often sought out and helpful to us to consider. And as we consider the contrast here between Martha and her sister Mary in this scene of them hosting Jesus, I think we are challenged to consider our own discipleship, particularly in a couple of different ways. And this passage calls us to respond to our discipleship, to our own following Jesus amidst all the distractions that may be in a couple of different ways, and we're going to walk through those this morning together. First of all, we see this. First thing that this passage calls us to is that we are called to emulate the posture of a devoted disciple. As Jesus enters a village, presumably Bethany, he's welcomed into the home of a woman named Martha, and we soon find out she has a sister named Mary. Now, the text doesn't tell us this, but we could assume easily enough that there are more people there than just Mary and Martha. This is not just Mary and Martha, I don't think, and it could be. If I get to heaven and find out differently, I will apologize to all of you. Uh, But I think text doesn't tell us, so I'm, I'm saying that up front, but I think that in this day and time, in the culture in which Jesus was ministering, and the fact that he often had many people with him, that it's safe to say that more people are present than just Mary and Martha. Some commentators say it could be well over 100 people and crowded into this home. It's long before the days of social distancing. But we understand the context a little bit here. We have a lady named Martha welcoming Jesus into her home, and she has a sister named Mary who, we're told, sits at the Lord's feet and listens to his teaching. And there's the implication that there were more present as Jesus taught. I think the setting is an important one because it shows us the nature of Jesus' ministry as contrasted against the culture of his day. Here, what we see in Luke chapter 10 is kind of a a, a deep dive into a snapshot, yet again, of Jesus ministering among his disciples. And here we have two women, Mary and Martha. In verse 39, we see that Mary's described again as sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach. Now, that doesn't sound all that strange to us today. But that would have been radically wild in this day. This day it would have been highly unusual, if not outright controversial, for a woman to have assumed the position of a disciple underneath the teaching of a rabbi. And yet here sits Mary and the Scripture, and Jesus affirming her in a positive light. I think it's a significant statement about the nature of Jesus' ministry because it teaches us that God's grace knows no boundaries of gender, that all are welcome to Christ. In a day when women would have been treated as second-class citizens and disregarded as even important, here we see that the kingdom of God belongs to such. Both men and women treated as full disciples. And it's Mary's example here that is highlighted as commendable. She is, if we could say this, the model disciple here. 
in a way that, that demonstrates her commitment to Jesus being her priority. So as we're called to emulate the posture of a devoted disciple, we, we see through the example here of Mary and Jesus' positive affirmation of her several things about this posture. First of all, it's a posture of humility. The brief description Luke gives us here in this scene does tell us a lot. We don't have many verses, but in these verses, we have quite a few things that we're, we're told and that we see. First of all, Jesus is described here as Lord. And look at verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Mary's posture shows us what she truly believed to be true as to who Jesus was. She shows us that she sees Jesus as an authoritative teacher and signifies her humble submission to him by sitting at his feet, absorbing all he had to say. Friends, in reality, shouldn't that be the posture of every disciple? As Christ followers, shouldn't we be those who acknowledge the authority and the supremacy of Jesus Christ, willingly submitting ourselves to him? Plenty of other things Mary could have been doing, as we'll soon see. But she demonstrates here that Jesus was her priority. She humbles herself. She sets aside her pride because, especially in this day and time, which was known for its hospitality, its hospitable culture, known for for its caring and, 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 and welcoming and receiving of people, and certainly she would have known that there would have been need to provide for, and as Martha demonstrates, that there were other things that needed to be done. But Mary sets all of those things aside and humbles herself to sit at his feet. I wonder if this could be said about each of us. Does our posture demonstrate that Jesus is our priority. It does require humility to acknowledge the authority and supremacy of another. And while Jesus, we know, isn't physically present here to teach us, does our life demonstrate that he takes precedent, that he is our top priority? that we resemble this humble posture. Especially in a world that calls for our attention in so many different ways, so many different things calling for our care, our attention, our time. Is it clear? Is it clear to you? Is it clear to those around you that Jesus is your priority? It's a humble posture. Number two, we see that it's a posture of reflection. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach. Later on, we see that Jesus responds to Martha, and as he responds to Martha's complaint, he will tell Martha, jump down to verse 42, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, 
This, this portion, this, this word portion is a, a figurative reference to the right meal, to, to the right thing that she's consuming, namely God's word. If you remember back in Luke chapter 4 in the scene of the, the temptation of Jesus when he's there in the wilderness and he's being tempted by the devil, he responds to the devil in a different uh, way based upon the temptation that's presented him, but in one of the temptations, as he is tempted to, as he's been without food for some time, he's tempted by the devil to just make food happen, to to make bread out of stones. And Jesus says to him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Well, he's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And if you go back to Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, we read a little longer context there of what, what Jesus is quoting. In short, he, in Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, we read that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Jesus here says, Mary has chosen the good portion. Mary has chosen the right meal. Martha is busy serving, presumably cooking up food and and tending to her her guests. And Jesus steps in here and says, Mary has chosen the right portion. One thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the right thing. Mary chose Jesus and his word as her portion, as her meal, her preoccupation with Jesus and what he had to teach her was her priority. I think Mary's example here shows that it's important for us to reflect upon and respond to God's word and that that ought to be paramount in our lives. Again, when Jesus affirms Mary choosing the good portion, he's holding her out as a model disciple here. We know there are a host of other things Mary could have been doing. There are a host of other good things Mary could have been doing. But the scripture is clear here, and the scripture is clear throughout how the Lord must be our portion. Psalm 73, verse 25 and 26, psalmist says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Brothers and sisters, one of the purposes for which God saves us is that we might enjoy him as our portion forever. To sit with him, to listen to him, to treasure him above all others. Friends, can I just ask you today, can you say with confidence that the Lord is your portion? Can you say with absolute assurance that the Lord is your portion? It's an important question, isn't it? It's an important question that we should consider and examine in our own hearts. The reason that many of us may be overwhelmed, discouraged, anxious, troubled, exhausted. The reason these things may be true could be that we are not finding Jesus to be our good portion, the one thing necessary. We're seeking it in something else and finding that it all comes up short. 
Brothers and sisters, I know that life is busy. But making Jesus your portion is not a time management problem. It is a priority problem. We make time for the things we are most passionate about. We make time to consume the endless news cycle. We make time for social media. And strangely enough, I always get that report on Sunday morning. It's like a humble check, right? It's a heart check. Your screen time is up or down, however much percentage. It's every week, every Sunday morning, comes through faithfully. We make time for these things. We, we make time to binge watch Netflix, don't we? And so forth. And then we're like, ah, oh, I'm just so busy. But brothers and sisters, you make time for the things that matter most to you. It's not a time problem. When was the last time, brothers and sisters, that you sat at the feet of Jesus, proverbially speaking, and truly soaked in all that he has for you? When was the last time that you were just still before the Lord and meditated on the glories of all that he is, the promises that he's given, truth from his word. I know there are so many things that need our attention, so many things to get done, but brothers and sisters, the most important thing in your life is that you be found pursuing Christ. Does your life reflect that Jesus is your portion? Does your daily routine reflect that Jesus is your portion? Does the substance of your conversations on a regular basis reflect whether or not Jesus is your portion? Do the, do the decisions you're making on a regular basis, financial or otherwise, reflect that Jesus is your portion? Friends, Jesus came, he lived, and he died in order to be your portion. He came to be the one thing necessary. And yet we know that he's often just the leftovers. See, as a disciple, we should be in a posture of regular reflection. Regularly sitting at the feet of Jesus, regularly pursuing time with him, regularly seeking out through the means of grace that he gives us through his word, through prayer, through other ways that we can seek him and hear from him. It's a posture of reflection. Number three, it's a posture of volition. Jesus says to Martha, Mary has chosen the good portion. Mary chose to be with Jesus while Martha chose something else. Mary, again, could have been busying herself alongside of her sister, but in an act of her will, she chose to be where Jesus was and chose to be at his feet. Friends, the, the posture of a devoted disciple is not something that magically happens. Now, we talk a lot here about the sovereignty of God, and rightfully so, we believe it. But as we reflect upon the glories of a sovereign God, we are fully aware of human responsibility. 
choices matter. Think about the necessity of water. We can't go more than a few days without water, can we? It's necessary for life. And yet we know because it's necessary for life, we choose to pick up glasses or cups or whatever and drink water. We consume it. We, we make that choice because it's a, it's a natural part of life. It's, it's something that is necessary. The same is true in the life of the believer. Assuming a posture of devotion to Christ is not just going to happen to you. You must seek it. It must be sought Mary chose the good portion, and Martha did not. And the difference between their choices made a significant difference in the posture of their heart and how they felt and experienced this moment. I realize that much of what we are saying here today assumes that one is a follower of Jesus Christ, that one is a disciple of Jesus, that one has come to Christ and believed in him by faith. When Jesus says, but one thing is necessary, he's referring to finding him and the sor- as the source of one's hope and sustenance of life. He's speaking here to a person who has been united to him in faith. He is the good portion because he is the good shepherd. He is the good portion because he is the good news. And John Chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Friend, you may be here today, or you may be watching our live stream, and it may be obvious to you, maybe not to others, but to you, that you're not a Christian. And first of all, we just remind you as we try to do regularly that we are delighted that you are here. You are welcome here. We're thankful that you are here. And yet, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, this passage is a reminder to you. It is an exhortation to you that you would find Jesus as the source and sustenance of your life, that he is the bread of life, And whoever comes to me, he says, shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And we must realize that before a holy and righteous God, that we are all sinners and deserving of his righteous judgment against our sin because of our rebellion against him. We stand under his rightful condemnation because of our sin. And yet the glorious good news of the gospel The good news of who Jesus Christ is is that God sends forth his son into the world and that Jesus lives life perfectly and yet dies a death for sinners so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever whoever would find him as the source and sustenance of their life would be welcomed into the kingdom and be satisfied forever. He is the good news. Friend, is your hunger and thirst 
satisfied in Jesus or are you seeking to find it satisfied in something else? As Christians, we've been told, Peter tells us this, that we've been given everything needed for life and godliness. We have everything we need for life and godliness. We've got God's word. We've got the Holy Spirit. We've been given salvation through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Everything you need to live and everything you need to be godly and righteous before God has been given to you. But we must access it. We must access the resources he's given us. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, we are called to endure. We are called to persevere. We are called to action, to to, to take active steps, to, to seek Christ. Every day, we are presented with choices. Every day, you are presented with choices as to how you will spend your time, what will be your priority, what will be your hope and your delights. And friend, if you are not finding the time to spend with Jesus, you and you alone are the only one responsible. It's not your job's fault. It may be demanding, but it's not your employer's fault. It's not your professor's fault. It's not your kid's fault. It's not your spouse's fault. It's not Netflix's fault because they have yet another thing you want to watch. It's not anybody's fault if you are failing to prioritize Christ. And of course, this this walk will look different in different stages of life, but, but brothers and sisters, is Christ our treasure? Is he our delight? Is he the portion of our soul? It is a daily choice. Psalm 107 verse 9 says, For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry he fills with good things. We are all hungry, and we are all thirsty. But only Christ satisfies. First of all, we are called here to emulate the posture of a devoted disciple, and we see that exemplified through Mary. Number two, and the second last point we see is that we are called to avoid the trappings of a distracted soul. While emulating the posture of a devoted disciple, we are to avoid the trappings of a distracted disciple. It needs to be said up front about Martha before we draw wrong conclusions about her. Jesus is not criticizing the fact that she's serving Indeed, the Christian life is marked by both service and devotion, serving and reflecting, learning from Jesus and serving in his name. But Jesus does have a word for Martha. Look at the text. As Mary's sitting there at the Lord's feet in verse 39, verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. And then Jesus' response is quite clear and telling. But the Lord answered her, 
Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Martha was not being rebuked for her service. She was being confronted and rebuked for putting her service above Christ. For maximizing or for prioritizing service at the expense of fellowship with Jesus. She was distracted with the good thing. So much so that she missed the best thing. She was distracted from what truly mattered. Friends, distraction is a regular foe of the believer. Even good things, and I think that's the point here, even good things can distract us from the best thing. Martha's serving wasn't wrong, but her heart was. Her concern and her priority was all out of whack. Appreciate what John Bloom wrote in an article at Desiring God's website. He wrote, we make time for what we are passionate about and we neglect what is less important. We can be tempted to think that the right time management technique is the answer to a well-balanced life and getting the important things done, but it's not true. Techniques may increase our efficiency, but they can't determine our priorities. The heart does that. We order our lives by what we love. Mary's problem was not a technique problem. Mary, or excuse me, Martha's problem was not a technique problem. Her problem was not a service problem. Her problem was a heart problem. A few things that we learn about these distractions from Martha here. First of all, we learn this, distractions are enticing. Because Jesus was not occupying the priority of Martha's heart, other things were, and good things. Friends, it's a reminder to each of us that if Jesus is not your priority, other things will be. And oftentimes, our, our flesh will find things more alluring. That's what distractions do. They entice our heart to find satisfaction and significance in something else other than Christ. Martha's serving was to be commended, but her satisfaction and her significance was, wasn't to be centered in her serving. Her hospitality was a godly thing. It's a command, practice hospitality. Her hospitality was a godly thing, but it had overtaken the focus of her heart and become the ultimate thing. Is there any number of good things drawing for your attention right now? And some are so consuming of your time and your energy and your focus that you no longer enjoy fellowship with Jesus. And that is a tragedy. It's a tragedy. Don't let the good things become ultimate things. This is where Martha was. She had grown anxious. She had grown troubled because she had 
misguided her heart to find significance and satisfaction in something other than Christ. But not only are distractions enticing, distractions are enslaving. Martha was so caught up with serving, she couldn't even see what was right in front of her. She was so distracted with much serving and so frustrated at Mary's lack of help that she complains to Jesus. I mean, just look how bold she is. Look at the boldness of Martha. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. I mean, Martha is troubled so much so that she is complaining to Jesus and demanding he fix it. I mean, think about this. Right in front of Martha stands the Messiah, the very one the Old Testament had, had, had prophesied, the very one that the people had been anticipating and longing for and singing about and reading about and hoping in all of this time. And there he stands right before her. And all she could do was complain about the lack of help from her sister. She was enslaved in this distraction. She was so caught up with serving that she totally missed enjoying the presence of Jesus. Love was not motivating Martha's heart. Anxiety was. She was enslaved to doing things for Jesus to the point where she could not enjoy Jesus. A couple of other observations we see about the enslaving nature of our distractions. A couple of things that, that this does. First of all, it leads us to be overly concerned with others. Part of Martha's issue was that she was too concerned with what Mary was doing. Do you not care that my sister left me to serve alone? There's a lot jammed in that sentence. Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? While Martha presumably is tending to the hospitality needs, maybe cooking, maybe other things, she, it's as if she's doing all this stuff. She's busy serving and she just keeps an eye kind of in the living room, like staring Mary down, like what, what's wrong with you? I think the thing that we see here, she's distracted with serving, but she's also distracted with Mary. She assumed she knew what Mary ought to be doing. And Jesus' response indicates that Martha needed to chill and take a look at her own soul, first and foremost. Friends, one of our distractions as Christians can be getting caught up in evaluating others. We can become so preoccupied with what we think others ought to be doing or not doing instead of making sure that we are in a good place ourselves. Daniel Baca kind of an expert on Luke's gospel and in his commentary says, a community suffocates when all its energy is spent being an assessment agency for one another. Now, 
That doesn't mean we should never concern ourselves with others. The Bible has a lot to say about examining and about evaluating, about speaking into each other's lives. There's a lot of one another commands in the Bible. Not what I'm saying that that we should never consider the idleness or the, the activity of other Christians. What I am saying is that we can become other Christians can be such a distraction to us that we become enslaved in in examining them and not even looking to our own hearts. We should not let others' action or inaction keep us from what matters most. Don't be overly concerned with others to the neglect of your own soul. Number two, Distractions can lead us to be overly focused with self. Martha was distracted with serving. Martha was distracted with Mary because Martha was focused on self. My sister has left me to serve alone. Tell her, Jesus, to help me. Martha, it seems to be here, the type of person that was one of those people that needed to be needed. She only felt significant when others were dependent upon her. Her serving had become an idol because that's where she was finding her significance. So much so, she in essence rebukes Jesus for allowing Mary not to help. So Martha's pity party here was not ultimately, at the end of the day, had nothing to do with Mary. It had nothing to do with the food. It had everything to do with her heart. She was looking for something in her serving that could only be found in Jesus. And Jesus wisely firmly but gently exposes her heart, doesn't he? Martha says, tell her then to help me, but the Lord answered her, verse 41, Martha, Martha, just a tenderness, firm but tender word of Jesus. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. He goes right after the heart. Your heart Martha is is misguided. You're troubled. You're anxious. You're all stirred up about all kinds of things, good things, but all kinds of things, and you've missed the one thing that is necessary. I don't know about you, but when I read this passage and I hear that passage, that, that phrase in verse 42 just keeps ringing in my ears, but one thing, but one thing, but one thing is necessary. You're You're troubled with many things, but one thing is necessary. Distractions can lead us to be overly preoccupied with ourselves, so much so that we grow anxious and troubled and miss the good portion that Jesus has for us. Friends, I'm not sure what that may be for you, but it's a reality we all struggle to face. That we're so preoccupied with self 
that we grow anxious and troubled about many things while neglecting the one thing that is necessary. Friends, as you think through this, are, are, you, are you distracted? We're not even talking about sin. We could add that to the pile, but we're, we're talking about are you distracted by good things? Are, are you distracted by, by so many good things, important things in this life that you're completely missing Jesus? Are you too busy for Jesus? Are you giving yourself to good things at the expense of enjoying the ultimate thing, namely Christ? Friends, we need him. We need to be fed by him. We need to be led by him. We need him in everything. He is the one thing necessary. And yet so often, he's the one thing neglected. So often. Brothers and sisters, are you a distracted disciple or are you a devoted disciple? And that's really not even a good question. Because I know that we are all distracted to some degree. How distracted are you? Too often we find ourselves scratching our heads. You think about how we approach life. Too often we, we find ourselves trying to figure out, maybe looking at our planners or our calendars, wondering how we can get more done. But the question should not be, how can I get more done? The question should be, am I getting the right things done? Am I ultimately, as a follower of Jesus, committing myself to the one thing that is necessary? Brothers and sisters, anything that keeps you from enjoying Christ and being nourished by him is a distraction good as it may be. Anything that keeps you from enjoying and treasuring and delighting in Christ and being nourished by him is a distraction. There will be plenty of serving to do. There will be plenty of things to do for the sake of the kingdom and for the glory of God and for the advance of the gospel. There are plenty of good things that we are called to do on a regular daily basis in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, schools, and community, and so forth. But listen, do not let those things, good as they may be, distract you from finding your true satisfaction and joy and pleasure in the main thing, which is Christ. Brothers and sisters, may we not grow anxious and troubled about many things. There's one thing that is necessary. And by God's grace, let's be faithful in choosing the good portion and finding our true satisfaction in him. Let's pray together. Father, we hear your word today and we, we acknowledge just how easily distracted we are. We acknowledge how negligent we can be. Lord, I confess how often I neglect time at the feet of Jesus to give time to so many other things. 
Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for failing to prioritize that which is necessary. For sometimes giving the bulk of my attention and my heart to to things that are important, things that are good, things that are helpful, but in the end neglecting that which is necessary. Father, would you help us as a church to be a people who are enthralled with Jesus. Lord, would you search our hearts? Would you convict us of where we are distracted? Would you show us, Father, where we are distracted with much serving? Where we are troubled and anxious over many things? Would you show us that, Lord? Expose our hearts Lord, show us the priority of our hearts and help us, Lord, to repent and to acknowledge our failures of what's consuming us, what's seeking to satisfy us above Christ. Father, would you lead us to be a people who are devoted to you above all else? By your grace and for your glory, would you do this, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen.